Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast that explores the feminine genius. Did anyone else take a quick peek at the calendar and realize that Advent starts really soon and then promptly start to freak out? Surely I can't be the only one. Although it's meant to be a season of preparing our hearts, minds, and homes for a little baby born in Bethlehem, Advent tends to end up being a season of stress instead of calm preparation. The holiday to-do list grows longer and longer by the day, and before we know it, we'll be lighting that first purple candle. Take a deep breath, friends. We've got this. If Advent is synonymous to nervous and anxious, I hope today's episode empowers you with ways to prepare and calm your heart for the upcoming liturgical season. Today's episode is sponsored by Sock Religious. They're an online mom and pop store started by Scott and Elizabeth back in 2017. Check out Sock Religious and bring the faith to the workplace and spice up your Sunday best. Check out the show notes at oldfashionedgirlblog.com for an affiliate link. And any purchase that you make through the link helps support Letters to Women. We are welcoming to the show Sister Miriam Janes. She joined the SALT Community Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity in 1998. She's a former Division I athlete today. She is an author, a podcaster with two other women over at Abiding Together. You can find her on Twitter at OneGroovyNun, and you may have heard her speak at a variety of conferences on the subjects of forgiveness, mercy, healing, and the dignity and the beauty of women. Sister Miriam James, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm delighted to be here. Absolutely. When you spoke at Given, the conference up here in Kansas City last year, that was really the first time that I had gotten to get to know your story a little bit. And so it's just really beautiful to read your books after that and listen to the podcast and and keep up with you on Twitter. So it's just been really, it's really an honor to have you on the show. Oh, thank you so much. uh, I mean, I just enjoy spending time with people. So thank you for having me. It was great to be in Kansas City at that retreat. Yeah, that great. that's it. And we didn't, we didn't make it easy for you to get there or the devil didn't make it easy for you to get there. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many travel stories and stuff like that. It happens all the time. So I'm like, okay, Lord, here we go. Right. So, <laughs> you know, you're doing something good when, <laughs> when it's oh tough gosh, to get there. Yeah. For women who haven't had a chance to, to get to know you, can you tell us a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? Mm-hmm. Yes, I was um, born and raised in a Catholic family and grew up in the Pacific Northwest in the rainy Pacific Northwest. Uh, my family went to church every Sunday. We were what you'd call a very good Catholic family, and um, I learned a lot of things about Catholicism, but something that I often mentioned was that I never fell in love with Jesus Christ, mm. and um, even when I did learn about Catholicism was a bit skewed. I just For me, it was a bunch of oppressive rules, and God was to be feared in a slavish way. And so I, it's hard to fall in love with a God like that. And so um, I went to church because my mother wanted me to go. And as long as I was living at home, I, I had to do that. But uh, I, when I was a senior in high school, I signed a full scholarship to play volleyball at a Division One university. And I, you know, like like the story of many college students, fell away from my faith, um, at least in heart for sure. But, you know, I certainly did not attend Mass every Sunday or anything like that. And just found myself in a lot of really precarious situations and looking for something more in life. I, at one point wanted to work for ESPN. That was kind of what I what I wanted to do. And so I was pursuing a degree in communications to hopefully maybe one day do something like that. Uh, but I also had a competing narrative of my life of one, one side of the life was it looked very nice. And if you would have asked me how I'm doing, I would have told you I'm good and busy and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other side of it was that I was an active addict. I had a lot of problems. I had trauma from my childhood that I'd never addressed. And it was all coming out at the same time. And 
at that time, what God did is what he always does is he sends us messengers in life. And one of the messengers that he sent to me was a Catholic priest who had been a priest a long time and who, um, what a wonderful holy man. I'd never met anybody like that. That was so brilliant and so vibrant and so sold out for Christ. It was captivating. And he had no bones about telling me the truth. He would tell me the truth, whether I wanted to hear it or not. He, but he saw the potential and the beauty in me when I could not see it on myself. And he just firmly believed in me and wouldn't give up on me. And so after I graduated from college, I went down to one of our missions in New Mexico, which something I would have never done had I not, you know, been introduced to father. And it was sometime thereafter that I heard God call me to be his bride. And, uh, that was 20 years ago and, uh, said yes on that day and have been saying yes ever since. And like anybody knows that the journey of authentic love is never easy, but it's beautiful and it's transformative and I I wouldn't trade it for a thing. So yeah, it's been a lot of years of recovery and growth. And really I wasn't, I was in religious life even after that for many years before really addressing, uh, the core issues in my heart and in my life, what was impeding joy in my life. And, uh, so I've been really seriously on the journey of healing and restoration uh, for over 10 years now. That's so beautiful. I love that phrase, like never falling in love with God before, like having that head knowledge. I think like, I can connect with that, like having this head knowledge of like, this is what the church is, or this is what she says. And this is what Jesus says he is in, the, in scripture or in the catechism, but never having that intimate connection with him at a heart level. And that makes such a difference when it comes to forming that intimate relationship with him in prayer and then throughout our daily lives as well. Oh, isn't that so true? I think it's key. I think it's the foundation of, of, you know, yeah, definitely. So I think that's missing from a lot of people's lives is just what I learn more and more as I go. And and that's really the path. Like Christ is, you know, Jesus is a real person. And so he really wants to have a real relationship with us. And because he's alive, we can have one. Exactly. (laughs) So he's always pursuing us because he loves us. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're getting ready to enter into the season of Advent. By the time this podcast comes out, it'll be like the final countdown before Advent starts on that that upcoming weekend. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to fall into this trap of seeing Advent as just a countdown to Christmas. And Advent calendars like that you see at Aldi or in the stores don't make it easier because they're just 24-day countdowns to the big day. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to fostering that intimate relationship with Jesus, who is a real person, how can we abide in this liturgical season and wait for the prep or and prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ? Oh, those, those are great questions. And isn't that so true? I think that society, even from October has been pushing us toward Christmas. Yes. <laughs> Already, you, can't go to, you can't go to Costco or anything like, like, Oh my gosh, it's Christmas in July. Pretty literally. Um, it's so true. And it's become, you know, kind of a consumerist holiday and things like that. It, it is, it is very easy to lose sight of what's most important, but I tell you, I love Advent. I love that season. It's such a special season. And I love just as the earth, you know, as in North America, we descend into darkness, you know, it's the time of the year that's the darkest. And so it's the time of the year, the light shines the brightest. It's a season of light. It's a season of hope. It's a season of waiting. It's a season of new birth. It's a season for children in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And so we really make a journey with Christ in the womb, but we make a journey with Mary and Joseph. And I think really staying with them. I know that's my prayer for Advent is to really journey with them over the course of those weeks of what was she experiencing and and what, what is she preparing for? And what is she telling me in my life about areas that she wants to bring Christ to birth in my life? And we do have to be very intentional about how we spend our time and what our focus is, because really what happens is Christ wants to be born anew in each of us. And he's always, you know, his suffering, death and resurrection, that's a Paschal mystery. It's always happening within each of us. 
And Advent, Advent especially is a time where we descend into the darkness in a sense of we're in the darkness, but it's only so his light shines more brightly. Mm-hmm. And so it's a season of great hope and great expectation and even bringing our past disappointments and sorrows to the Lord and asking him to breathe life into them. So yes, if we want it to be sacred and holy, really, we really do have to um, really make it an intent in our heart. Otherwise it's very easy for it to let it, you know, kind of get away from us, you know? Right. Right. And like you said, like the world doesn't make that an easy task. It's very much a countercultural approach to the, to the months of November and December for sure. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. So, and I, it's just beautiful how the church really allows that to happen. You know, we talk about like the Advent wreath that we have and the Advent prayers and the Magnificat. I'm sure if you got the Magnificat, but I love the Magnificat. It has so many yeah. great, you know, reflections in it. But, you know, finding that time for quiet and maybe maybe intentionally making more family time as a family uh, during Advent and talking about, you know, who Christ is and, you know, that he comes to us as a child. You know, I love it. Um, you know, Christ always shatters the image that we have of God. It's so beautiful. And I was on an eight-day silent retreat this summer and with a Jesuit priest, and we were doing a reflection on this very thing, on the nativity of Jesus. And he said something that I've been talking about ever since. Just the way he said it was, it just pierced my soul so deeply. And he was speaking about the vulnerability of Christ, that he comes as a baby who's naked. He comes as a baby who's weak, who's totally dependent, which for us scares us to death (laughs) to be totally dependent. (laughs) And he comes, God, the Lord of the universe, right? Christ the King, the Lord of the universe comes completely and totally dependent upon humanity for survival. He comes not, you know, not being able to even take care of himself. I mean, the humility of God is just staggering. Like his humility just is staggering. And anyway, so the priest was saying that, you know, Jesus comes to us vulnerable And it's in that vulnerability that he teaches us how to be human. Right. Because to be human is to be vulnerable. And I don't know about you, but I know so many places in my own life where I have all my areas of self-protection on or self-justification or all the masks we wear because I epically fear vulnerability. You see, Jesus has none of that. And he's teaching us how to be human and how to give the gift of ourselves. So it's, it's a glorious season. So glorious. Absolutely. I was in adoration last night and I was prepping for this interview and just praying about it and reading through some of the gospel narratives of the birth of Christ. And you have so many times where the angels will come and say, don't be afraid like to Joseph or to Mary or to the shepherds. And just sitting there thinking like, why are we so afraid of this? And it's because like something's got to change. Something's got to give in our hearts because we can't encounter the Lord, whether it's through Advent season or through any areas in our life where he's speaking to us and leave that same way or leave unchanged. And so it's, it makes sense that we're afraid because it means we're going to have to take a closer look at our hearts and see if it's, if it's ready for him. Mm, that's a great insight. Isn't that so true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great insight that God keeps speaking that to us. Do not be afraid. I'm with you. It's, oh, amen. Emmanuel, God with us. Yeah. Amen. 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 You shared a little bit about your story and coming to the realization of your religious vocation and then within that vocation too, this season of healing that the Lord's been bringing you through. How has your view of Advent changed as you've grown in your faith and matured in your vocation? I really believe and see in my own life every year it just keeps getting better and better. And, you know, we talk about, you know, the, the seasons in a sense are the same. They're the same seasons every year. They're the same readings in the cycle of every three years. They're, and so it's easy for us to kind of check out and say, well, I've been here before. I've done this before. Or, or yeah, or get out the Advent wreath, get the candles out, get the Christmas tree out. You know, Aunt Sally's going to come over. She's going to bring the same Jell-O mold that she brings every <laughs> year for Christmas, you know. And so we kind of shut off, but we don't understand that we're different. 
Right. Like we are different. And, and it, even the grace is different. It's, it's never the same. And so all of us, you know, who, as we, you know, you and I talk today and as, you know, our listeners listen to this episode, all of us are profoundly different than we were a year ago. And some of us are like, yeah, I'm, I'm much better. And some of us are like, man, I don't, I've had some really hard times this year, but we're profoundly different, which means the grace of God, which is new every morning is going to profoundly heal us and strengthen us in different ways. So yes, I mean, for me, it just, it keeps getting better. It keeps getting richer. It keeps getting more beautiful. Um, and it's the degree to which, you know, we encounter Christ where he's conceived and born within us that we can accompany others as well. And so I just, I love the profound reality of our mother, our sweet mother, our fearless mother, our beautiful mother in that regard of how she joyfully brings Christ to us. She does. Right. And he always wants to go deeper with us. It's never like he's encountering us during Advent and like, okay, like we, we made some good progress last year. Let's just kind of stay where we're at. Like he always wants to go deeper and, and more, more close to us and to our hearts. If we let him, if we open our hearts and let him in. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the nature of love, isn't it? I mean, that's the nature of exactly. all of our relationships that we love people. We always want to go deeper with those we love and it's no different with the Lord. It's, it's that's actually the most fullest, you know, aspect of love. So yeah, definitely. He's always de- inviting. He always invites, never, you know, forces us, but he's always inviting us to more, uh, to deeper depths and, and more richness with him. Mm-hmm. As we grow in love with the Lord, we have to open, he asks us to open all the areas of our heart. Like even the ones like we talked about, like you have like closed off or we put barricades around because all right, Lord, you can have all of me accept this part. And in mm-hmm. Advent, he's inviting us to open up those parts of our heart and really accept him on a full whole, a whole other level. But for women who are entering the season and whether it's shame or guilt or whatever the devil decides to throw our way to keep us away from the Lord for women who don't feel worthy or wonder if their story is just too much for Jesus, do you have any advice for those women? And why is it important that we all meet Jesus at this vulnerable stage of him being a little baby, little naked baby. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the key right there is the area of openness and nakedness and vulnerability, because what he's showing us and who he is, is that he's not somebody who's lording his lordship over us. He's not seeking to exploit us. He's not seeking to destroy us or truncate us. He's, he's seeking to bring us new life. And so all of us, I think, especially as women, you know, if you bring a baby into a room, every woman in that room is going to be like, Oh, (laughs) we just do that. And you, it's like, I love it. It's like so clever of God. Like you cannot resist a baby. Like who can resist, (laughs) who can resist a baby, you know? And so he, he does, he comes and he snuggles up in our arms and he falls asleep. I was just holding a friend of mine's baby last week and she was doing a project. And so I spent several hours with him and Oh, that little boy, six months old, he fell asleep on my heart. And I tell you, that was the best part of the whole day. (laughs) And you just can't resist that. And so what, you know, and he's saying something to our hearts where, you know, many times our hearts are, are covered in shame and unworthiness is because, you know, we have these deep areas of self-hatred. We have maybe unconfessed sin in our life, or we have areas of our life that where we have wounds that um, have yet to meet the resurrection of Christ, of his healing, tender touch. And so what we do is we hide those areas and we put them away and we keep them far out of, you know, try to keep them out of view of other people and ourselves, but it doesn't really ever quite work like that. And so what he does as a baby, what he does in his vulnerability is he draws out the tenderness in us. And 
God throughout scripture never, ever, ever once says to anybody, you're too much or you're not enough. Like you, you'll never hear him say that. You'll never hear him say, well, that sin is just too bad. I'm sure, Or you did confess it, but I'm never going to let you forget that. That is not the voice of God, you know? And so, you know, often I speak about forgiveness and healing and mercy. And I really do believe that a lot of us in our life have people that we really need to forgive or that need our forgiveness. And they're, and they're massive, massive areas of trauma. But I tell you time and time again, and I see it in my own life, I think the hardest person we have forgiving often is ourselves, don't you think? Uh, 100%. Absolutely. And so it's those parts of our hearts that we judge ourselves that we say, I should have known better, or I can't believe I did that, or why can't I get over this? Do you hear the accusation, Mm -hmm. right? And so if we could just allow even Jesus, and I know he's about to be born, but even in this Advent season too, just allow him to come and rest in our arms and just like listen to his heart for us. He, He... his whole, his only desire is to bring us into his own beautiful life. He desires to heal us and he desires to, to set us free. And so to bring light, he's the light of the world. He desires to bring light into our darkness. And so he doesn't speak words of ill. He speaks words of healing and blessing. Right, right. And for women who've been through those areas of trauma, it seems like the exact opposite than what we'd expect from someone to who, who claims to love us. Like, Mm-hmm. the absolute vulnerability there, the words of like, you're never going to be too much. And I love mm-hmm. how beautiful it is because it's so, it's so different and it's the way that love's meant to be. And it's so healing to be able to encounter the Lord that way, especially when there's scars or walls that we put up around our heart and the areas that we've been hurt. And, you know, we, and we certainly all have those. And I think, and sometimes it can feel overwhelming, like, Lord, where do I start? Or like, where right. do I even, you know, if it's not one thing, it's another. And I think just as we journey into the Advent season of, you know, what's just, maybe we could all just choose one place, (laughs) like the Holy Spirit, like Holy Spirit, where, what's just the one place? I'm always about the one thing. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. but where where do you want to start? Like, where's the one thing, where do you want to speak life into me? Like, where do you want me to carry you this season? Or where do you want you, where do you want to carry me? And you'd be amazed how at usually very quickly or within some due time, one area of your life or one concern that you have or one area of trauma or one something that's just won't go away in your heart, it will come to the surface and just continually engage that. And I mean, yes, if there's people in your life that you trust to be able to journey with them as well, but just to continually offer that part to the Lord and just see what that journey of Advent is like. I I think, I think we'll all find it's, it's incredibly transformative. Right, right. And Advent offers so many opportunities just for that spiritual growth and that spiritual healing. But also the Catholic Church is so beautiful in how tangible she is or how sacramental she, the life that she offers us. And so we do have things for Advent that are like you said, like we're going to light the Advent wreath or maybe we're going to, through the season with an Advent calendar and, and meditations or journals. But how can we work to celebrate Advent with more than just, okay, I lit the candle on Sunday or okay, I, I went to Mass how do we make this a liturgical season that kind of works its way into our daily life? It's not just for Sundays that we celebrate as Advent. It's over the course of these weeks that we celebrate Advent. How can we live that to the fullest this year? Mm-hmm. Well, you, there's many things we can do. I think many times families decide to do certain things for like the season, right? Whether that's more time as a family or having, you know, discussions about, you know, where Jesus is or, you know, just different. Some people like do a Jesse tree. There's yeah. a lot of different things that we can do. I think a lot of parishes offer Advent missions, um, certainly the sacrament of confession of reconciliation, yes. please. I mean, if you haven't gone or if you have gone recently, whatever, go again. <laughs> you can't go <laughs> too Advent, much. <laughs> um, 
I mean, I know that part of the reason why I'm on your um, episode is to talk about something that Ascension Press is doing that I was a yes. part of, which is called an Advent program called Rejoice. And it is that very thing with um, uh, with Mary. It's, it's journeying to Bethlehem with Mary. And so Father Mark Toops has put together a beautiful journal of like daily reflections and weekly reflections that are just, they're simple and anybody can do them and they're incredibly beautiful. So there's different things that are, that are being offered that help us all uh, enter more deeply into the season of Advent. Um, but we, I think we have to understand that it won't just happen unless we plan it out. So to really kind of sit down before the season starts and just say, okay, Holy Spirit, you know what, where do you want us to go as a family? Where do you want, want to go as a person? Like, what am I going to do this Advent to really set some time apart to really you know, to kind of delve into the riches of the season. I mean, I, like I said, I love the Magnificat, the daily readings. If you can't go to daily mass, like the daily readings of what the church is speaking about. And especially before Christmas, like all the O antiphons, like, yes. Oh, Jesse, you know, key of David, oh, oh, you know, it's just, they're so beautiful. It's just so glorious. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about that rejoice by father Mark Toops. So he's written this advent journal. It's absolutely beautiful. It focuses on the, on the life of Mary, but it's not just a journal. There's also supplemental videos with, with you, mm-hmm. with father Mark, with father Josh, Johnson. Can you tell us a little bit more about the journal and what, how you got involved in the project and what you're hoping readers can really delve delve into it and get out of it this season? Yes, I was thoroughly honored just to be a, a small part of this project. And I've known Father Mark Toops for a very long time. And he is hands down the best Ignatian meditation yes. leader that I've ever been around. Like that guy will just lead you to depths you never even knew existed. And <laughs> I've known Father Josh Johnson also for many years, even when he was a seminary, many before, years before he was ordained. And so they're two of my dearest friends. And it was just beautiful to be with them in this process. And I have to say kind of a behind the scenes, you know, as we prepared for this project and just doing the video uh, series with father Mark, he led us as a staff at Ascension, all the people that were working on this project through some of the very meditations. And I'm telling you, man, it broke us. Like we were, we're in the staff room. I was crying. Like one of the other girls was crying. I'm like, and I, it opened up in my own heart, a new path, a new part of Mary's heart I had never even considered before. Oh, and it was that, it was that Holy Spirit moment that changed us. And that changed the course of the whole recording. So what people will see when they get this, when they see the videos, and when they get the, um, when they get the journal is actually different than what was originally planned. Wow. So the Holy Spirit directly intervened and we went into a different way and, um, it was beautiful. So yeah, so it's about what, you know, illumination meditation is, you know, like, what is Jesus saying? Like, what does this sound like? What is he leading you to? It's really immersing yourself in the scriptures. And Father Mark Toops does such a good job that you don't have to have any experience with prayer at all to even enter in. Mm-hmm. And so you go through the weeks with Mary of um, her, her being present, of her soul echoing the Lord, um, the plans, like what the, the plans of God. And just it's a simple, beautiful program that I think it will enrich your family. It'll, it'll certainly enrich you personally. So yeah, I, I'm just delighted to be a part of it. I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I, the artwork in there is gorgeous. Just the meditations oh, yeah. are beautiful. Oh, I took a, like, I didn't want to go like all in because I wanted to save, save it for Advent. But holy <laughs> smokes, like the sneak peek was so beautiful. And I'm so, I'm so excited for this Advent because I love that Ignatian meditation. And I, I don't do it enough in my daily prayer life. So I'm excited for just that guided meditation and the, the chance to just really like sit with Mary throughout this process. So yeah, no, it's beautiful. Get a copy. You'll find it in the show notes. It's so worth it. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, just, I'm, I'm like, I'm sitting here actually at my desk looking through it right now and it talks, it talks about vulnerability, right? Yes. And at the end of every lesson is kind of like the questions of what stood out to you as you prayed, as you pondered the scripture, as you pondered that scene 
what stood out to you as you prayed and what do you find stirring in your heart? Mm. And it's beautiful because, you know, we all learn a lot about our own selves of like what the Holy Spirit does. And so, yeah, I just, it's really great. Ascension has done a great job with this whole thing. And like you said, the artwork is beautiful. And I, it just, it's my deep prayer that it blesses everyone who has a, who takes part of it. I love that to ponder. Like that's so mm-hmm. Marian. That's what we see our lady doing throughout this whole process and being invited to, to journey with her through Advent, but also to take those things and ponder them in our own heart. Like, I love that. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. The whole series is just focused on Mary during the season of Advent. And why mm-hmm. is it important to focus on Mary? We've, we talked about it a little bit, but for women who aren't biological mothers, whether that's because of their the season of their vocation that they're in right now, maybe they're married and going through a season of infertility. How can women really tap into the spiritual motherhood and spiritual maternity through the story of Mary this Christmas and this Advent? Well, see, the beautiful thing about being a woman is that And motherhood is stamped in each one of us. Every single woman, every single woman is called to be a mother. It is part of our DNA. It is part of our soul. And for some of us, our bodies will mirror that call as biological mothers. But the call to womanhood is etched in the soul of every single woman. And whether she's a biological mother or not, she's a mother. And we have, we mother people spiritually. We mother people at our, our places of work. We mother people at the grocery store. I mean, mm-hmm. just the way a woman is made, like her body is round and soft and she brings people into her and she's what John Paul II calls an expert, a master of relationships. Yes. And, you know, I guarantee you that some of many of the holiday traditions in the families of our listeners have to do with the matriarch of the family. Right. Everybody, everybody goes to grandma's house and, you know, there's a formal dining room, but everybody's in the kitchen, right? Stuffed in the kitchen, <laughs> laughing and talking. And, you know, it's like, and when she passes away, mm-hmm. the women of the family get together and the women decide where it will be held next. Right. You know? Right. So we, it's, you know, a woman makes um, a house a home and that's her heart. And so... Mary is both, you know, the mother of the church. When Jesus is on the cross, he literally gives her to us. Like that's his word. That's his heart as a son. He's giving his mother to the world and she's the, she's the mother of him as well. So you see these beautiful aspects of her as a woman who is a biological mother and also a woman who's a spiritual mother. You see that the both played out so beautifully and you see her as a woman who is also a real woman. And I know for a long time I had a hard, very hard time relating to Mary because of some false ideas of who she was. And I saw her as kind of this one-dimensional plastic statue figure. And I, you know, like you, obviously you hear a bit of my story, I'm very broken and just a, my, my life was just a mess and I could never understand her and I didn't understand how she could understand me. And it was really um, many years into religious life when one day I just fell on my knees in front of a statue of Our Lady and I said, I, I, I can't. I can't do this anymore. Like I can't pray to you anymore and not know you. Mm. I, I need, and I begged her, I said, I need to know you. I, I need to know you as a real person because she's a real person. I need to know you as what it means to be a woman. I need to know. I need to know what it means to be married to your son. I need yeah. to know what it means to be a mother. I need to know what it means to be a sister and a daughter because she is all those things. Like, please, I need to know. I, I need to know you. I'm desperate to know you. And that really changed. And I've made that prayer since then, you know, that really changed my relationship with her. And it also quite honestly had to do with a lot of brokenness with my own mother, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I projected onto her. And so Bishop Fulton Sheen says that if you could imagine the best mom in the whole world, like what qualities would she have, you know, and it's so easy, like, oh, she'd be kind and she'd be considered, she'd be strong and she'd be wise and she'd be generous. And there you go. Yep. You know, she, her holiness is not 
sometimes we see holiness as kind of remoteness or, you know, kind of judgmental or critical like that. That is not holy. She's a woman fully alive. She has no sin. So she's fully alive. There is nothing her uh, in the way between her and the Lord. So her life is magnificent, which means she's poured out for you and for me. And she loves to help us. Mm-hmm. Loves it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love yeah. that. That prayer that you said, like she's just, she's waiting for us to just ask for her help as soon as we do. Like, just like a mom, like when a little kid asks for help or is finally to the point where they're frustrated and they just need somebody like who's the first person to like the mom, a mom responds quickly. A mom's right there. Yes. And I mean, to this day, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Nope. You're good. I was going to say to this day, you know, it is said that as soldiers die on the battlefield, who do they call out for? They call it for their mother, yeah. you know? Absolutely. And so, um, even though, you know, you have listeners who probably have mother, mothers who have children that are, have even not talked to them in years, you know, that Mary understands like what it's like to lose a child. Exactly. Mary understands what it's like to have a child leave home. Mary understands what it's like. I mean, she, her heart is not mitigated against sorrow. She's our lady of sorrows, not self pity, but our lady of sorrows, meaning she knows the depths of sorrow and she knows the depths of resurrection. Right. And she's, she's with us there. She's not this one dimensional model. Like I labored under the false assumption for you. She's not like that. She's amazing. She's so beautiful. Oh, she's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I love that ability to connect to her as a real person or just like it's easy to put Jesus in this box of this person that I read about in history class and and I know all these facts about him like we talked about at the beginning and it's easy to do that for Mary too and I think what's so beautiful first about this these advent meditations but also just about the season of advent is this really this chance to encounter Mary as a human being and to just really get to know her as a mother Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yes, definitely. And, and that's what she reveals, you know, in this, you know, a very real journey of her going from, you know, to, to Bethlehem on this donkey, like just this real thing of there's no room in the inn. And I mean, you can right. imagine as, as moms, like how we've all, you know, had different women have, have different experiences like that, where you just like, oh, this goes wrong, and that goes wrong, or this is an arduous journey. And, and just to watch how she navigates that and how she just in the experiences of her life, you know, as the angel comes or as she has to tell Joseph and he doesn't know everything. I just, she's a courageous woman and you know, what they had to deal with, with their neighbors and it's just, Oh my gosh, you know? Yeah. She, uh, so much to give us and so much protection to bless us with as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And just this beautiful example of like the feminine genius, like lived out in such a beautiful holistic, just striving for God's heart way when it comes to like, whether it's spiritual maternity or her generosity or how sensitive she is to our hearts and just how beautiful that is to be able to look to her and see that lived out in such a human, raw, gritty, natural way for her. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. That attentiveness to the person. She's attentive to the core and yes, always, always watching us, always, you know, attending to our needs, always there, always listening, always helping. And, and she challenges us when we need to be challenged. She's a good mama, right? Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. But she she's an advocate. I don't know what we would do without her. You That's know, true. obviously That's the true. Lord chose her Himself. So <laughs> he has very good taste. <laughs> Yeah. Amen. Oh, that's so beautiful. Sister, where can listeners find Rejoice Advent Meditations with Mary and the videos that you and the team have created, but also where can they find you and your writing and speaking and podcasting online? 
Uh, yes, they can uh, find our podcast. It's uh, Abiding Together, and you can find that on iTunes, or you can find it on the Ascension uh, Press website as well. Uh, it's a weekly podcast that I host with two other women. Uh, one is a, a wife and a mother of six, and the other is a wife and a mother of three, and they're wonderful, and you'll find out very quickly we have very different personalities, and we've been all friends a long time, but it's just a beautiful journey of of all, you know, all in the journey together. We're very honest about our own story and our own brokenness, and we laugh, we cry. It's all kinds of stuff. So we actually just finished a series on the four women doctors of the church. Yes. Which uh, was really great. So we really enjoyed delving into that. And then there's an online Facebook community as well. Um, you can find, the, I wrote a book called Loved As I Am, which uh, is a bit more of a journey of my own healing and the, the work that God has done in my life and still continues to do so. And that's, you can find that on Amazon. And I'm on Twitter a lot. I'm not on Instagram or Facebook, but I'm on a Twitter at, at One Groovy Nun. And I don't usually post my speaking schedule, but uh, for example, if I'll be out at the cathedral in Orange County at Holy Family Cathedral at uh, the very end of November giving an Advent mission there and then down in Salem, Oregon, also giving an Advent mission, I think December what, 3rd, 4th, and 5th. So I'll be around a bit. But I'll be at SEEK. I'll be at some of the bigger conferences yeah. as well. I see a lot at Steubenville. So you'll, you'll see me around. But yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. As a podcast that explores the feminine genius, the one question that I asked to wrap it up is, Sister Miriam James, how do you live out the feminine genius as a woman pursuing Christ's heart in the vocation of religious life? Well, I think that I have the distinct, uh, distinct privilege of being the bride of Christ. Yeah. And so, uh, literally the personification of the church and the bride. And so what Jesus does is he continually breaks my heart open to receive the other, right. To bring his love to the other. And so it's the attentiveness to the person. It's the bringing Christ to the people that absolutely burns in my heart in the deepest way. And, um, so to be able to receive him, to lay upon his heart, to spend my life resting upon his heart and receiving from him. And then from that intimacy, bring it to the world. Um, there's nothing better than that, in my opinion. That's so beautiful. Sister, thank you so much for just how authentic and vulnerable you are with the sharing of your story. It's just been such an honor to watch like my life be touched and healed in, in some ways through the wounds of your own life that Christ has healed. And just thank you so much for just being such a witness of what it means to live that authentic relationship with him. Oh, thank you. Thanks be to God. And thank you so much for all that you're doing as well for the church and bringing the feminine genius to the world in your own beautiful way. Thanks for listening to the show. You can find links for Rejoice, the Advent journal that Sister Miriam and I talked about today on the episode, as well as Sister Miriam's book, her podcast, her blog archive, and all the things that we mentioned over on my blog, oldfashionedgirlblog.com. If you have a few minutes, check out the Letters to Women episodes on iTunes and leave a show rating and review. I hope you and your family have a blessed Advent. And that's all I have for today's episode. But until next time, be not afraid.